and welcome to episode number 231 of Artificial Turf Wars. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as always, by the exuberant Joshua House. Josh, how are you doing? I'm good. You? Uh, I am good. This is, of course, a very special episode for us because we have uh, done away with all of our regular segments because our listeners need to know who's on the team. It's like, who's on first? But we're going to extend it to 56 minutes. <sighs> For 28 guys. Plus one. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we don't know who the 28th guy is yet. And I think every time we record the show, we don't know who the last guy is. But now it's it's not the 25th guy or the 26th guy like in, in yesteryear. No, due to special uh, post-lockout situation, 28 guys. So what we're going to do is I'm going to start a timer every time we mention a name. We're going to run down who that guy is. Uh, and then we're going to talk about them for two minutes, no more, unless they're really good. And and uh, then we're going to shave those the rest of those two minutes off of someone else. You ready to rock? Let's do it. All right. Uh, and our first candidate is Jose Barrios on the roster. Uh, as a starting pitcher, he is six foot one, 185 pounds and 27 years of age. He throws right, of course. Um, Barrios... Came over in a trade last year, and the Blue Jays inked him to a seven-year, $131 million extension. And if there is one thing you can say about Jose, is that he is really consistent. Um, he's a very good pitcher, and he's been a very good, the same kind of very good pitcher pretty much every year of his major league career. Yeah, um, it's interesting. When they first traded for him, and since, we've said this a few times, he's not an ace, and it seems unlikely he'll ever take the step forward to become an ace. But a mid three years, mid three ZRA and 190 innings, you can pretty much bank on that from him. And that's pretty valuable thing to be able to say about a pitcher. So like, it's just awesome that he's on the team. Yeah. I was, uh, I was not really well aware of him. I don't think because he played in Minnesota. So he was out of the division. Um, not exactly a top of mind picture because it's a you know small market team, so you don't see him in nationally televised games. Um, but nevertheless, that doesn't mean he's not a quality pitcher. It doesn't mean he doesn't belong. You know, doesn't doesn't deserve the opening day start. Um, so I think Blue Jays fans who didn't watch maybe last season or uh, at the end of last season would be pleasantly surprised by what they find in Barrios. Yeah, like Marcus Stroman without the self name search on Twitter. <laughs> sure that's strikes out more batters than stroman though which is nice absolutely all right we are under two minutes but you can take um you can take the reins here and you can um start talking about our second pitcher yeah it's the latest ace like pitcher that they've signed kevin gaussman who they signed to a five-year 110 million dollar deal just before the lockout he's 6'3 200 pounds he's 31 so you know, it's a little older than you typically want to see people sign to five-year deals for, but he's been so good the last couple of years that I think the Jays are just happy with what he's able to provide. And if it's a little slippery the back year or two, they'll deal with it. You know, he's full, he'd be falling from such a high level that they think he could still be useful. And last year he struck out 227 batters and 192 innings. And he was, he finished six in the Cy Young voting in the national league. And like Barrios, he is a guy who you can expect to take the ball a bunch and give you 180, 190 innings. He, I mean, you know, it's, that's two durable starting pitchers who go deep in games at this top of the rotation. 
Kevin Gaussman signing to me, I'm not disappointed at all by it, but it was almost like, tell me you wanted to re-sign Robbie Ray, but you couldn't re-sign Robbie Ray. <laughs> they almost signed for similar, well, very similar, not the same contracts, but. It, it, you know, it's, it's a pitcher who uh, wandered in the wilderness for a good chunk of his early career. And then uh, Ray has only one year that he figured out and won the Cy Young. Um, and Gaussman basically has two years, but one of those years was shortened up by the strike. So, you know, I mean, this is a guy who was released. By COVID. Uh, yeah, sorry, by, by COVID. He was released by the Braves. Things were that yep. bad. And now he's, you know, like you said, he's, he's earning Cy Young votes. So I, I think it's a reasonable gamble for the Blue Jays. Not a big gamble, but it is interesting to see what kind of career arc he has and where he's going. Um, yeah. If we, do we still have time left here? 10 seconds. All right. One interesting thing, his splitter was moving differently in his last spring start, so that'll be something to watch in the early going to see how batters react to it. More horizontal movement. Kinjin Ryu um, is the previous big free agent signing of all time for the Blue Jays at four years and $80 million, which uh, not so big anymore. It seems small. <laughs> he throws left six foot two, 230 pounds, and 35 years old. This is the back half of the Ryu contract. And this is where if, if he is not ace quality, um, that's not the end of the world because the, the rotation has been shored up around him. But I, I don't think that means he can't be ace quality. We are we are not that far removed from a Hyunjin Ryu who led the American League in, in ERA. Um, just at the end of last year, he tailed off in a, in a painful way uh, that I think... Probably I have recency bias and I'm I'm more disappointed than I should be with Hyunjin Ryu. Well, I don't think you're alone there. But even if you just look at the halves, in the first half, he made 17 starts and had a 3.56 ERA, which is really solid. Yeah. And then in the second half, he just got hit a lot more. And it was really strange. And you know, his his stuff wasn't overly different. It was just his command abandoned him a little bit. And if there's one thing you should normally count on from you, it's command. So when you add the increased defense on the left side of the infield with Matt Chapman, who we're going to get to, but and just his general consistency over the last four or five years, which, you know, that's a long time, I think he's going to be fine. I'm, I'm, you know, yeah, he might not lead the league in ERA again. He led the majors in ERA in 2019. Uh, but he doesn't need to do that. If he can just be a mid-three to high-three ERA guy, that's perfectly suitable for the middle of the Jays rotation. Which I don't think we ever thought Hyunjin Ryu would be in the middle of the Jays rotation when he was signed. Um, so next up, who we got? The big boy. <laughs> the <laughs> largest man on the team, Alec Manoa, who checks in at 6'6", 278 pounds. I like that they did not round that up. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's, uh, he's 24 years old. And he's the guy I'm most excited to watch among the Jays pitchers this year because we didn't see a full season of him. He came up, he made 20 starts, and he had a 3-2-2 ERA. The team won, I think it was like, they were 17-3 and three in his starts, which is crazy. Um, he hit, he led the league and hit batters, <laughs> which is impressive. But uh, In 20 starts, yeah. yeah. 16, 16 people got plunked by Alec Manoa. <laughs> <laughs> so he has been tinkering with Gaussman's splitter. And if he can 
have a plus changeup or split on top of his slider and his fastball, which he's also trying to get more sync, so the it's more mirrored with his slider. I think he could take a huge leap forward and potentially be the best pitcher in this rotation. I think he has the most upside in the in the rotation, actually. Him or Gaussman, but I, I would actually say Manoa is more likely to do it. Well, I, I think Manoa being 24 is a big factor right there. Um, well, Gaussman, well, sure, but know. but just from a raw stuff perspective and, and with what he can tweak to take a step forward. Indeed. Um, yeah, Manoa was impressive from day one coming up last year. I really kind of, I, I think... He's doing all of the things that we, we we had hoped and imagined Nate Pearson would do. Uh, and it's great that the Blue Jays had a player in the system for when when a top prospect hit a bump in the road. And I'm not saying Nate Pearson's done, but he's obviously kind of gotten out in front of Pearson in so many different ways that uh, if he keeps going like this, I would be perfectly happy. Um, the very last slot in this rotation, and... And I'm so happy to say that we're not debating about this because they signed a guy specifically to be in the last spot is Yusei Kikuchi, who throws left, six foot, 200 pounds, 30 years old, signed for a three-year, $36 million contract very late in the offseason uh, because he had to wait to be allowed to do that because they were locked out. Uh, Kikuchi came over with the Mariners, was, uh, if you look at his overall season statistics, they aren't super impressive. Last year, though, he started out real hot, made the all-star team, and then kind of tailed off into nothing in the second half. Um, so I don't I don't think it's really a big ask for him to just come back to where he was, especially since, again, he's penciled in the number five spot. If you've got a guy who can give you 180-plus innings in the number five spot and, and be good to potentially very good, it, most teams would kill to have a guy... Uh, you know, penciled in that way. Yeah, I think 180 innings might be a lot to ask for from Kikuchi. He's never done that, um, so that's a, a little a little high. But hey, I'm I'm here to be an optimist, Josh. What are you? <laughs> I guess he threw he threw 180 innings in Japan in 2017. But so Kikuchi, one of the interesting things. So like Ryu, he had a great first half and a really bad second half. Their numbers are actually very similar on an ERA level. But one of the interesting things about him is that his best pitch from 2020 became his worst pitch last year, his cutter. And it's the one he's most comfortable throwing. And it just it completely abandoned him again in the second half. And they have identified what was wrong with it. And you know, they weren't, they're not going to say out loud what that was. But the belief is that he has found the cutter moving the way he wanted it to move in this spring training. And the results in spring in his last outing were quite good. He threw a simulated game on the day of recording this on Wednesday, so we only have three starts to actually look at. For him, it's really just going to be about velocity and pitch mix, though, because he's got great stuff, and his command is actually pretty solid. All right, we're going to have to leave Kikuchi there. Uh, next? Yeah, so it's uh, the closer, Jordan Romano. Six foot four, 200 pounds, 28 years old. Canadian boy from Markham, Ontario, although he's playing for Italy in the World Baseball Classic. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect booze to come out in this podcast. Uh, Romano is, if there's one guy in this bullpen who is expected to be great, it's him. He's the best pitcher in this bullpen. He, you know, in the last two years, he has been 
one of the best relievers in all of baseball. He's got a, over that time he's got a 1.97 ERA with 106 strikeouts in 77 innings. Um, he had a sticky stuff issue where his slider sort of went away, and then he just kept on going because he started throwing his fastball harder. <laughs> it's like okay, you know, he just decided he'd throw 101 miles an hour to make up for it, and he just kept rolling. Little homer prone for a closer, but not to any kind of bad, insane, insane degree. I, I just I feel so safe with him coming into the ninth inning. Yeah, I, I think you know the, the faces change a lot in the bullpen, um, but it is. It has been for several years. The Blue Jays have had some guy for whom, when the ninth inning showed up, it was like just give him the ball. Um, you know, it was it was Roberto Osuna, it was Ken Giles. Now it's Jordan Romano. I I don't think twice about okay if we get to the ninth inning, just give Jordan the ball, and you know he's not perfect, but good things will most likely happen. I I am not I'm not humming and hawing, and he's 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 not the kind of pitcher who's going to walk two guys while he tries to find the zone and then blow three guys away with some, some crazy wild breaking ball. It's just, like you said, he comes at hitters uh, and it works. So let's just keep it working. And uh, just quickly, he, he also seemed to help that mitigate that stolen base problem that he had at the beginning of last year. So that's good. Yes. Uh, next up in the bullpen, setting up left-handed anyway, Tim Mesa. Um, six foot three, 220 pounds, 30 years old. Tim, uh, has had his ups and downs. Is that fair to say? Um, sure. Yeah, definitely. He, sorry, I'm just, I did bring his page up. So yeah, last year was, was not a great year for him. Sorry. 2019 was not a great year for him. Then he was injured in 2020. Um, 2021. All of a sudden, he was back to where he was in 2018. The exact same ERA plus in 2018. So I, I think it's one of those times where you're like, okay, if Tim Meza is the good Tim Meza, that's amazing. Shouldn't have used amazing there. Uh, but I think, he's what he, I, I think he's just one of those relievers where it's like it, it might be up and down and you might be looking for someone in the left-handed, you know, late-inning role. Uh, so sort of as a big surprise. I, I don't want to predict failure for a guy, but he seems to me to be one of the guys who you you aren't right off counting on that way. I, I think that's fair, but one of the nice things about what Meza did last year, which was the improvement that he made over his previous seasons when he was up and down, is he completely slashed his walk rate. And when you're... Meza's th stuff is he doesn't blow a lot of guys away because he doesn't, he throws hard and he has a good slider, but he's not a strikeout guy. But he gets extreme ground balls, <clears throat> which, if you're if you're walking guys, ground balls occasionally lead to hits. So his walk rates went from 9.3% in 2018, 11.9% .9 in 2019 to 5.7 last year. So if he can keep doing that with the raw stuff that he has, I think his floor is a lot higher than it has been. But obviously, that's an if. He does have to maintain that. All right. And you can move on to the next late-inning reliever on our list. Yeah. So this is the one guy, other than Romano, that I'm – you know, there's a couple guys. But that uh, Jimmy Garcia, I think, has back-of-the-bullpen potential. I suppose – you know, like, he, like if he took over as your closer, I wouldn't be too upset. So he's six foot one, 220 pounds, 31 years old. He signed the first multi-year closer contract for relievers since B.J. Ryan from the Blue Jays, which I still think is amazing, and I have to say it every time because that's nuts. And only the fifth since 1991. 
His raw numbers last year are actually somewhat middling, but he posted the best strikeout and walk rates of his career. He just had really bad ball and play sequencing. He throws strikes, a ton of strikes for a reliever with his kind of power stuff. And he's not overly prone to, you know, to just burst of wildness. He is a bit home run prone at times, but I just really safe pitcher, I think. Interesting, because if you look at his numbers, and again, this is all small sample size, but he was closing for Miami. He got 15 saves with Miami, and he had worse numbers for, for base runners allowed than in his whole career, and his his strikes uh, strikeouts per nine were down. And then he got traded to Houston. They took him out of the closer role, and in those 21 innings, he went right back up and started striking out 10.5 per nine. So uh, if you get Houston Astros, Jimmy Garcia, you're in great shape. Yeah, but that's also more in line with what he'd done in his career, his yeah. recent career, I should say. So I think that that's something they can probably count on being the more likely outcome. Indeed. Um, our next fellow is Adam Simber. Uh, Adam Simber has been a delight to me ever since he has come to the Blue Jays. <laughs> he is six foot four, 180 pounds, uh, 31 years old, and he throws technically from the right, but from the underside or from the side. Uh, which is has been an absolute um, hoot. Uh, I like a reliever that's funky, that has some kind of different delivery, has some kind of something up his sleeve, and Simber is all of those things and is very good at getting people out. Yeah, and this is the latest in the line of guys that I'm going to say. He throws strikes, <laughs> and this is not an accident. The, the Jays had a lot of problems early in the season last year with their relievers just not being able to command the strike zone. And all those extra base runners, I mean, they're not even just Tyler Chatwood. It was all of them. They were just bad. And so they went out and targeted guys that were throwing strikes. And that's why Meza was getting so much run at the end of the season because he was doing the same thing. And Simber throws strikes, get ground balls, and just does not give up home runs. And that's a really good recipe for a successful relief pitcher. He shouldn't face too many lefties, but the occasional one he can get by. Yeah, I mean, we don't have the luxury of the one-out reliever, and he's right-handed anyway. But I, I think that crazy underarm or sidearm delivery is, uh, is you know, worth its weight in gold in a bullpen of, if, if you have a bunch of other guys throwing, you know, 95 to 100 miles an hour, um, it can really mess with a hitter in the middle of a game, or a, a group of hitters in the middle of a game. Uh, moving on over to Julian Merriweather. Yeah, you did Simbers. My yeah, team. go ahead. <laughs> Speaking of guys that throw ninety-five to hundred miles an hour, <laughs> uh, six foot four, two hundred pounds. He's thirty, which might surprise a lot of people because he hasn't actually been in the major leagues for very long. It's all about health with Merriweather, really. Uh, he is—he's a homer-prone reliever because his fastball is pretty straight. So when people connect with it, it goes a long way. But he throws really hard. He has a really good changeup, and his curveball is actually better than his slider, but he uses the slider more as a as a reliever because it profiles better. He's healthy right now, which is about all we can say about him, but well, his injuries were a little fluky. He had Tommy John that took him two years to recover from, and then he had an oblique strain that took him six months to recover from, basically. It's not so much that he's injury-prone. It's just that he doesn't heal fast. So as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be – a big weapon in the bullpen and something that they missed with that power stuff. 
Yeah, it, it really is a kind of a nail-biting thing every time I hear Julian Merriweather's healthy. And it's like, okay, I hope he's... I hope he hasn't forgotten anything in the year it's been since he's been able to pitch. <laughs> um, you know, there was there was a month where he looked like like he was going to be the closer before he got the oblique strain last year. I think you know when when Romano's status was a little bit up in the air, it looked like Romano was going to be the the high pressure guy, and Merriweather was going to come in and and close potentially when when the bases were empty in the ninth, and that seemed like a perfectly logical thing. And then he got hurt again, so. Yeah, I think the potential's there, but uh, remains to be seen how long he will he will be on the mound for. Uh, which moves us over to David Phelps. Phelps yep. also got hurt last year for <laughs> way too long. Um, Phelps is six foot two, two hundred pounds, uh, thirty five years old, uh, which means he has been around like most relievers forever, uh, and has been consistently good across most of his uh most of his time that i've been the victim of him or or been watching him it will be nice to have david phelps back in the bullpen i think the jays really really missed him in that i I think he would have been the you know if you if i could have picked one guy to kind of shore up the bullpen in that everybody's walking everybody period i i really wish they had had phelps because it was just because he was a veteran and because um yeah he just doesn't seem prone to all that stuff yeah, and he, he doesn't throw overly hard anymore. He did once upon a time throw in the upper mid-90s. But now he just mixes with his cutter and his changeup and his slider and his two-seamer and just throws the kitchen sink at hitters, pitching more like a starting pitcher in relief, really. It just keeps them off balance. And he, he, his strikeout rates are surprisingly high from the last few years. I don't really expect that to stay the way it was. But he does miss the 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 middle of bats, which is – you know, that's what you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and again, the Blue Jays have, have tried to collect a bunch of guys who they know what, what kind of results they're going to get. Who And last year, the problem was everybody they seemed to sign had previous injuries or was injury prone. I guess Phelps has now had a previous injury. Um, but the over, I think the overall health of the bullpen could be expected to be better than it was last year. That would be reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And that continues with Trevor Richards. 6'2", 190, 28 years old. He was a starter for the longest time. Uh, he came up with Miami, and then he went to Tampa, and then he was traded to Milwaukee uh, and ended up in Toronto. So he's traveled well for a 28-year-old. And last year was his first time full-time relieving. And he really took to the role. He struck out 78 batters in 64 innings. He's... You know, he can go multiple innings at a time. He did that a lot with Toronto. He did a lot with Milwaukee. He's a little more home run prone than some of these other guys, which is why he's, you know, we're, we're sort of going down in order with these guys right now, right? And he's the seventh reliever right now. And like he was an above average major league reliever last year. And he's our the, the, he's the seventh guy that we were talking about right now. So it just shows the depth of the bullpen at the moment. And I think that's really strong. Yeah. I, I think the major league bullpen for the blue Jays with these, these 10 guys in it, which is not going to be allowed to continue for the whole season, but uh, with, with 10 guys in it is impressive. Uh, I don't know how far that is going to end up going into the minor leagues as, as the year goes on. But uh, I certainly had confidence in Richards when he came in. It seemed like 
uh, things went well. There, there were there were never any egregious meltdowns, a la Tyler Chatwood, um, or you know, ongoing uh, disasters. Uh, I'm forgetting Shun. I can't remember the other Yamaguchi. Name. Yeah, Yamaguchi. Um, yeah, there, there were. I don't remember any of those moments, but maybe I'm just blocking them out of my mind. Maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> my selective memory. Um, guy number eight in the bullpen is uh, Taylor Sosedo. Taylor Sosedo is left-handed. Uh, he's also six foot five and 185 pounds. He's 28 years old. Mostly, he's left-handed. Uh, if you look at his his last year statistics, his first year in the majors, uh, he had a 4.56 ERA. Uh, which is basically right around league average. Um, he only struck out 6.7 per nine. He walked 3.5 per nine. These are not things you want to see. But other than that, the Jays only have Tim Mays as a left-hander in the bullpen. So I can only figure that uh, Sacedo being being serviceable and left-handed is the reason that he's on this roster right now. Yeah, I mean, he also struck out 25 batters in 18 innings in the minors. And, you know, he was just, it was his first year transitioning from starting to relieving as well. And he had a fantastic spring. He struck out nine over five innings, one walk, three hits. He gets really good run on his two-seam, and he has a decent breaking ball. He, I'm, I don't think he's likely to be on the roster when the rosters drop down. He was never expected to make the team. You know, they're listing eight. We listed seven and we haven't gotten to the long man yet. So he wouldn't have been there. But it's he's like you said, he's serviceable. And as the ninth guy in your bullpen, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's it, you know, he's a you know, he's a low rank reliever when it doesn't take two minutes to say everything you could possibly say about him. He uh, also is an extreme ground ball guy, which has value and it could have more value with a better infield defense. Indeed, uh, you can go to the next fellow. Yeah, so I mentioned the long end we hadn't gotten to, and that's Ross Stripling, 6'3", 190, 32 years old, righty. I'm not entirely sure what to make of Ross Stripling. He had that stretch last year where he was unbelievable pitching out of the rotation. And other than that, he was awful. <laughs> there was no in-between there. And for him, it's, it is kind of a fine-line thing because – he doesn't throw overly hard. So he really needs to be precise with his stuff. But as a long man and starting pitching depth, he's fine. He's got experience doing both, coming out of the rotation and coming out of the bullpen. And he's the, he's the sixth starter right now. And I don't think he's going to get a ton of play in close games. So he's fine. Wasn't there something about him tipping pitches prior to that fantastic stretch? I yeah, but what's the excuse that. after he came back when he gave up eight runs in, you know, four outings? So, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe he's tipping them again. Maybe he's, maybe he's got bad habits. And he should uh, never face Boston. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean... There's lots of lots of uh, so and so should never face this team, but I I, I wholeheartedly in the, endorse the no Ross Stripling v Boston, just for my own sanity. I mean, I'm not even worried about the team at this point. Uh, and then our last member of the bullpen is Trent Thornton, who you know, if I didn't look it up, I would assume had been with the Blue Jays for his full six years and was waiting on free agency, but it's probably less than that. He's 
six feet tall, throws right, 175 pounds, and is 28 years old. Uh, there was a time, I think, when we seriously considered Trent Thornton as a potential rotation option when we had not seen a lot of him. Um, it, he doesn't throw enough strikes. His command is just not good enough for it. And I, I was one of those guys who was like, you know, he, when he came up as a rookie in 2019, half of his starts were great. The other half were really bad. And it's just like, okay, well, if he can clean up that little bit, then he could be a really useful pitcher. The problem is he doesn't have the command to clean up that little bit. And he gets strikeouts. He, that's about it. <laughs> I can't say much more about him. He doesn't get a lot of ground balls. He doesn't have good command. He doesn't limit home runs. He had a good spring, but I, I just I I don't have much faith in Trent Thornton as a pitcher in the major leagues anymore, and I think that he's just there for the month. Yeah, I mean this is going to be a, a spot where um, the you know you don't want to see a position player pitching and allowing them <laughs> to carry, get, carry extra pitchers is I think trying to prevent that. Well, I mean I want to see a position player pitching, um, but. You know, management doesn't want to see a position player pitching. So you end up with Trent Thornton, who uh, is aware of what it takes to be a major league pitcher. He just can't quite get up to the, you know, even the uh, uh, Trevor Richards level of, of, you know, average to better than average. No. That rounds out the pitching selection. That brings us to the position players. And the very first position player, is the catcher Danny Jansen. The Blue Jays' starting catcher for ostensibly like the last three years. He is bats right. He's six foot two, 225 pounds, and 26 years old. Um, we have had this discussion ad infinitum. Did Danny Jansen and his 772 OPS with his amazing September last year, uh, bumping that up, figure it out last year after two years of OPS plus of 70 and 85? Um, I hope so. I hope Danny Jansen has figured it out. But I'm also not, you know, it's not the end of the world if Danny Jansen struggles because I have a lot more faith in Alejandro Kirk as the backup catcher uh, than I, I would have in previous situations. Jansen can handle a pitching staff from everything we've seen and is also better than we expected at throwing out runners uh, early in his career. So if no, he's he does... pretty bad at that. Well, okay. But he's a, he is a complete package if he hits, I would say, in terms of an everyday catcher. But do you believe he will hit? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't know if he's going to have the same kind of power he had last year. With His, his ISO was 250. I, I, no, I don't, I don't see that coming. I mean, he had more extra base hits than singles. <laughs> That's not going to happen again. But I do think that he can be... Basically the same OPS level, more like what he did in his very brief start in a career in 2018, where he had a 347 on base and a 432 slugging. I think that's more what he's going to do. But I do think that we've seen glimpses of it in parts of seasons before. And I think for catchers, some of them, they just develop slower in the big league. So I actually have confidence in Jansen. He can't throw runners out. 21% is quite horrible. But... He's a great blocker, arguably the best blocker in baseball, and he's a plus receiver. So, and he, and they love pitching him for the way he calls the game. So, if he can be a league average bat again or a little better, then that's great, especially with the next guy. And if not, tell us about what who's next. Yeah. So, from the uh, the big end of the spectrum, when I talk about Manoa for height, 
<laughs> We're on the other end now with Alejandro Kirk, five foot eight, very similar in weight at 265. He's 23 years old, and I think Alejandro Kirk is going to get a lot of play as the DH this year. He's their best hitter that's not locked into a regular fielding position. You know, assuming Jansen is the regular catcher, Kirk has just hit everywhere he's gone. His, his exit velocities are among the best in the game and his contact rates are like Michael Brantley. Like it's, it's like he, he makes contact at the level of the slap hitters with the exit velocity of the power hitters. And if he just figures that out a little bit more, he could be one of the very best hitters in this already extremely stacked lineup. And actually he's improved a lot defensively as a catcher. Overall, he was actually a positive by the baseball prospectus catching scores. Of course, Kirk came out of nowhere in 2020 from, uh, you know, from the lower minors to to show up on the roster and was a big, exciting part of the team. I just looked it up prior to the podcast. I did not know he only had 25 plate appearances in 2020 for all of the all of the excitement around Alejandro Kirk. That just blows my mind. Um, but uh, yeah, last year he was the offensive equivalent of. Danny Jansen, pretty close. Um, so I look forward to more Kirk. He does also seem like a really fun player to watch, like a lot of other players on this team. And I, as as you know, I can't discount that as a value to me as a fan, uh, even if it's not something that necessarily the the team places a value on. An interesting thing about Kirk, he had an 8.27 OPS on September 18th. He just went oh for the rest of the season. So his overall <laughs> end of the numbers ended up a little little iffy. Uh, which I was talking about fun to watch players when I get to talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. MVP candidate. Um, bats and throws right. Six foot two, 250 pounds. Sure. Uh, 23 years old. He is the franchise. I don't really know how much I could oversell Vlad Jr. Um, he hits home runs. He plays a, a very uh, helpful picket at, at first base. Um, and for all intents and purposes, he is one of the top tier players in MLB right now. I, I, I expect more of the same out of Vlad, and I hope I'm not putting too much pressure on him, but I think everybody expects more of the same out of Vlad. Yeah, I'm not sure what else there really is to say. He's just so good that he goes beyond analysis. <laughs> you know, it's, obviously, there's some risk that if his ground ball rate returns and he got a little jumpy in the second half when they came home with runners on base, he kept swinging at pitches that he probably shouldn't. But he had a monster season that was matched up by all the expected stats. There was no luck involved. He just crushes the ball. And he turned into a serviceable first baseman. Oh, he might run more this year, which would be interesting. <laughs> Well, again, he went from well below average to average last season in run in uh, actual run speed. So that's, you know, if you can improve any area of your game, take your worst one and improve upon it. Yeah, and he was doing agility training. And, hey, if he can become a, a slightly above average runner, then it just increases his offensive profile. And he can stop hitting singles to the fence. All right. Now you go from, uh, you know, endless adulation to... Kevin Vigio. 
200-pound, 26-year-old, mostly a utility guy, but I think he's going to get a lot of run back at second base this year. That's where he belongs to me. I actually don't think Kevin Biggio is good anywhere else. I think he's too small for first base. Well, actually, he's, taller, he's as tall as Vlad, so maybe that. But uh, I don't think he moves well enough in the outfield, doesn't have the arm, and I don't think he has the range and the quickness for third base. But at second, he's actually a slightly above average defensive second baseman, and he still takes such good at bats. If he can just get like part of the way back to what he like – his first two years in the league, he was really valuable. If he can get part of the way back there now that he's healthy – I think that he could be a big part of making this offense a lot better if he can turn it over more. Yeah, I don't think Cavavigio is going to stop taking walks because that's, you know, that's what happens. I think maybe it depends on what kind of baseball is in play this year. And I we do not have time for that lengthy discussion, but they keep changing the bloody baseball. And a he is the kind of guy with warning track power if he's getting under the ball. Like he, he changed his swing to do that. And it worked when the ball was springier. And we don't know what we're going to get every year with the ball. And it drives me absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is a little nuts. But, uh, well, we'll see. I mean, uh, so hopefully he can rebound a little bit. If not, well, there's another guy that I'll talk about in a bit that, uh, or you will, that we have some hopes for. Um, he also bats left-handed, which in this very righty-heavy lineup is never a bad thing to have uh, have that different look to be able to. Uh, you know, flip in against a, a right-handed, a tough righty. Uh, yeah, which moves me on to Matt Chapman. Another another crazy new acquisition. The Blue Jays just keep trying to fill holes. It's it's so refreshing. Matt Chapman is six feet tall, 220 pounds, 28 years old, and coming off of a down year. I, a down year for Matt Chapman is being exactly league, aver league average offensively. Yeah. Um, that's fine. I don't think he's going to be down again. I, I, I don't believe that. Uh, but mostly they got him to play vacuum cleaner like defense at third with a bunch of starting pitchers who induce ground balls to the left hand side. Um, and I don't think any of that experienced a down year because that's just not how defense works. He's from what I heard, he looked great in the spring. I, I don't have any reason to be nervous, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts about Chapman? Yeah. So Chapman's strikeout rate ballooned in 2020 and 2021. And the hope is that it was related to his hip injury, which he had surgery to repair it. <laughs> you know, so, and he had the surgery before the 2021 season, but he said he, it just took him a while to actually feel right, which makes sense following a surgery. <laughs> and if that, gets cleaned up, he could be going back to being the seven-win player he was with Oakland in 2018 and 19. So that, that's the upside we're talking about. It's MVP level, and at worst, it's well above average regular. I can't imagine Oakland giving up a MVP level second baseman for some prospects. That seems Third really, baseman. Sorry, third baseman for some prospects. Seems really weird, not a character. Yeah, um, that never happens. On that note, <laughs> who's next? <laughs> so the uh, the other star infielder in this team is Bo Bichette, five foot eleven, two hundred one pound right handed hitting shortstop. He's only twenty four years old, only a year older than Vlad, although he's not in arbitration yet and you know, had some contractual issues with the Jays. But 
he's a superstar. Um, you know, he, throughout his career in the big leagues now, he's hit 301 with a 345 on base and a 506 slugging. And that slugging last year in 44 was the lowest of his career so far. And I, they just, he's such a good bat to ball guy for someone who has such a free swinging approach. And if he makes even tiny tweaks, the sky's the limit for Boba Shat. And he's already made intense strides to become an average shortstop, which we never really saw coming. I thought he was going to be moving for sure. They'd go and get, you know, Lindor last year or, you know, Seager this year or Correa or something and move, move Bichette. But no, he made the, did the work and he was a league average shortstop for basically the last half of last season. Yeah. Once he stopped throwing the ball away. Uh, <laughs> and we pointed out earlier on this podcast that Bichette's strength is to go to his left and now to his right is Matt Chapman, the platinum glove winner. Um, so, you know, if he can shade a little bit to to work to that side and worry less about what's happening to his right, I think there is literally the potential for him to to keep making defensive strides. And the fact that we don't have to talk about his offense, that he's he is a shortstop and that solid offensively is a, a crazy happy moment to be a Blue Jays fan. Yep. He's a superstar. Uh, who only gets overshadowed by Vlad. Uh, all right. Santiago Espinal, uh, technically the second baseman, though um, he has filled in various places. He's five foot ten, one hundred seventy five pounds, and twenty seven years old. Um, he had a career year last year. He hit what was it? Three oh six, three oh four, three eleven, three eleven. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting that. I don't think we're expecting that this year. Uh, but as you pointed out many times, he is an excellent defender. Uh, they now have the luxury of putting him at second as a right-handed batter or subbing for Chapman if uh, he needs a day off at third. Or and Bichette. Not, or Bichette uh, at short. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of options in there that that got created by adding Matt Chapman and putting Santiago Espinal into more of a utility role. Yeah, uh, and we mentioned this on the last episode. That he's increased his strength and is hitting the ball harder. So... There's upside in the bat, too, which is not something we ever thought we'd be saying about Santiago <laughs> Strange days around Blue Jays land. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's him in a nutshell. Now, I'm going to let you talk about our last utility infielder because he's he's so new, I, I, I don't know what to say about him. <laughs> so we are not talking about Greg Bird. <laughs> Uh, no, so, talking about Ghost So Kato. wrong, so many times. <laughs> yeah, seriously, we blew that one. Uh, in fairness, so did everybody. Uh, he's six foot one, 197 pounds, 27 years old. So he's actually a former second round pick of the Yankees. And I'm not entirely certain what to make of him. So he, he was terrible in low A for three different years and destroyed high A. And then he was terrible in double A for two years and then raked in triple A. And I don't get it. I know El Paso is a very good hitter's park, but his plate discipline numbers are good. He can play everywhere. And he had a great spring. I don't know. I, I, he's, he, I think he was kept over Bird basically because it allows them to be creative however they want with rest because bird can only play first or DH. 
and Kato can play everywhere. Um, and if that's a mispronunciation of his name, that's on you, Josh, because I did not say it. Um, like I said, I don't have anything to add because he came out of nowhere. Uh, and I've read, yes, he had a great spring and he's a utility guy. Awesome. I'm not going to disagree with any of that stuff. I'm just going to move on to our next player, which is Lourdes Guriel Jr. Lourdes Guriel Jr. is uh, quite an interesting player because he couldn't couldn't handle things at second base, so they put him in left field where he is an absolute cannon of an arm that everybody seems to forget about for the first bit of a year. But also, he's an incredibly streaky yet consistent batter, which just still blows my mind. He's never had a year below average offensively, despite the fact that it feels like he goes like, hits 500 for two weeks every year and goes 0 for 20 at some point every year. So he can be infuriating to watch, but... I think his overall skill obviously shines through by the end of a season where he's like last year was a down year for him with a 111 OPS plus and 21 home runs in 500 plate appearances. I will take that for my left fielder without even, without even blinking. Yeah. And obviously the upside is even higher than that because the previous two seasons, his OPS pluses were 127 and 138 over a full season of work because he'd been injured a bunch, but you know, when when he's going, there's there are very few better hitters in baseball. Like when he gets hot, like he just mashes. And he's another one of those guys that makes pretty good contact on this team. You know, his strikeout rate last year was 18.9%. And with his power, you know, he can be a really, really useful bat. And he's hitting sixth or fifth, depending on what they do with Kirk. But he, this is a guy that when he's going, like if you just took the numbers he had in the previous two seasons, he'd be a middle of, middle of the order bat for almost every team. And he's going to hit fifth or sixth for the Blue Jays. Chapman's hitting seventh, by the way. Yeah. And also, of course, uh, I'm a nod to the epic hair because, you know, we had three seconds left at the end of that. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Who's next? Yeah, the other corner outfielder who has just taken off, Teoscar Hernandez, six foot two, 180 pound right hand hitter. He's 29 years old, so a, a year older than, than Lourdes. So Hernandez, basically, since coming back up from the minors in 2019, has been the best hitting outfielder in the American League, or among them. I, I mean, there's there's some very good hitters. but Yeah, we're going to talk just, about one in about two minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, he's just completely turned himself into one of the ultimate threats in the American League. He's turned from a all-or-nothing power guy to someone who legitimately drives singles and doubles with consistency. He still strikes out a decent amount. He's never going to be elite, but he cut that from 30.4% to 24.9% last year. And it's basically from being aggressive earlier in counts and hitting, you know, driving pitches instead of getting behind, and it worked. He won his second silver slugger. He had 870 OPS, 133 OPS plus. He was just a superstar. The thing that blows me away about Tay Oscar is his batting average. He goes from 239 and 230 in 2018 and 2019 and then hits 289 and 296. He literally jacked his average by 60 points in one season. It's just like, did nobody tell you that was a good thing until 2020? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. 
yeah, he's silver sluggers and MVP votes and all star appearances and all well deserved, hundred percent. So, uh, again, I would if you told me my right fielder was going to have a nine hundred OPS, I'd be like, okay, I don't. That's fine, thank you. We'll move on. We'll we'll keep that guy. I don't care who else he is, even if he has the occasional defensive uh, lapse. I think he more than more than makes up for it over the course of the season. And now we get to the good outfielder. We just, <laughs> I kid you not. We just we just showered praise on the two corner outfielders and the guy who they actually signed for all the money, who is yes, technically slightly better than than Teoscar in the last two seasons, but over the course of his career, of course, is George Springer. Springer is six foot three, uh, two hundred twenty one pounds, and thirty two years old. Uh, last year, Springer was very injured for the first half of the season, but then he showed up and he hit 264, 352, 555, which is pretty much right on line with what he had done in 2020 with Houston. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming back, George. I hope you play an entire season with us because holy crap, he's good. Oh yeah, and he yeah, bats lead off. <laughs> one of the interesting things about Springer, he has made himself into one of the elite power hitters in baseball. His career high is 39, and he's only topped 30, 30 twice. But if you look at him on a per-game basis over the last three years, or rather, if you take it over to 150 games, he's averaged 46 home runs over that time frame. And so if he can just stay healthy for 140 games, like he played in 2017 and 2018, that's all they need, 140. And he will just be a huge boost to this team also because he's a pretty good defensive center fielder pretty good you know <laughs> yeah, yeah he's not elite he's not he's not a gold yeah. glover i mean he's just he's pretty good and that that's pretty good that's nice to have that with that kind of bat well yeah because you're not asking questions about well who should they put in center field obviously it's george springer that's he, he's good enough to play that position every day uh we have one more outfielder yeah, it's Rymel Tapia. He's a 28-year-old left-handed batter and thrower. The only left-handed thrower in the Jays' offense. He's six foot three and 180 pounds, soaking wet. <laughs> He's not a big person. And we sort of said this when the Jays made the trade, if you listen to that episode. But Tapia's thing is that he makes a lot of contact, and has upside to hit the ball very hard. He's one of the, in the 70th percentile or so of exit velocity max, but fifth percent in average. And he pounded the ball into the ground last year. So if he can do that a little better, you know, if he can actually raise his launch angle up a little bit and just clean up some of the consistency of contact, he could be a pretty useful bench player. If not, there's a reason he's on the bench. Yeah, I think the Jays were were looking. I, I, I mean, their purposes for the trade were fairly transparent. They were looking to change the profile of of the uh, the lineup a little bit to put a left hander in there and to put a you know a guy who wasn't going to sell out for power uh, as an alternative in a you know maybe in a pinch hitting situation or maybe um, you know against a, a right handed pitcher. He is a different kind of hitter. Is he a great hitter? No. Uh, but was the guy he replaced a great hitter? No. Does he cost a lot less? Conveniently, yes. 
Well, actually, no. They're well, with the with the money they sent across. They're being sorry. paid the exact same amount this year. No, next year, yes. I think that's well, the way probably not. No, because they sent money for next year too. It's probably oh, going to be about the same. But uh, he's also very fast, which could I have some nice value late in games if they want. You know, because they've got these extra catchers and extra infielders that they can move around, so they can pinch run and really take advantage of Tapia's speed. And he's not really a center fielder. Like I don't think he should play much center, but he's the backup. All right. So we go to the, maybe this guy is our guy for the last spot, but we're not sure. Uh, number one is Ryan Barucki, who has been around for a long time, it seems, with the Blue Jays. Um, and has not had the kind of success I don't think either you or I were hoping for over the course of his career. Um, his 4.94 ERA last year was not fantastic. Is his strikeout rate was down. I mean, his walks were down too. He, there's a reason why he's the very last guy we're talking about on this roster, I guess. Well, actually, the reason is he's injured. If he was healthy, he'd be on the team. But he's had an MRI on his hamstring. He pulled his hamstring. He's out of options, so they can't just send him down. I'm pretty sure with 10 relievers, they would take him over Taylor Sosedo just to see if he could be rebound to what he was in 2020 when he was the big power reliever. But he's hurt, and... You know, that could really cost him. If he's out for two weeks, I don't see how you add him to the roster at all because the the bullpen will shrink. And if the other guys are performing as we think they will perform and stay healthy, <laughs> <laughs> then I don't see how there'd be a spot for Brucky. I, I always feel bad for, for guys who have sort of these career, you know, the, the projection doesn't match the actual trajectory. And I feel like Brucky has been the victim of one one thing after another, like starting out with, you know, having that one good season so you could see, you know, in the mix that there was a lot of potential, like you said, as the big reliever with the, you know, 2.7 ERA with the, you know, 11.3 strikeouts per nine. But that that one one season and then everything else kind of has conspired against him over time. Yeah, he's also just had a lot of injuries, which is unfortunate. Uh, among the things that have conspired against him. So the guy who we were totally talking about more than a week ago, a hundred percent, is catching Zach, Zach Collins. Yeah. <laughs> so the Jays traded Reese McGuire in case you, we haven't talked about that since for Zach Collins. He is a left-handed hitting catcher like McGuire. He is far worse defensively than McGuire, but he has more offensive upside. He's a recent first-round pick like Reese McGuire, <laughs> and he he had some pretty good offensive seasons in the minors. He strikes out a lot, but he has power and he has patience. So there is more likelihood of him helping on offense than McGuire. But the biggest reason that this move was made was because he has an option and McGuire didn't. So when the rosters fall back down to 26, the Jays aren't going to be required to keep three catchers on the, you know, on the lineup. and that Because that's just not ideal in any scenario. And he's going to be the guy that makes it if Barucki is unable to go. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Uh, especially since you're using one of your two catchers as a most of the time DH. Kirk. Yeah, and it allows him to pinch run a lot more when that's the scenario. Like every time Kirk gets on base in the late innings, okay, Tapia, you're running. <laughs> just, just be ready. <laughs> Always be running. All right. So we have come to the end. I'm looking at 56 minutes total. So we, we've squeezed well under the wire. We have not wasted a single second of anyone's time. Uh, 
singing the praises of this roster. You know, having gone through every single guy, I feel pretty good about the offense still. Like, I really don't feel like there's a big gap anywhere there. The depth could still use work. I think we said this in the last episode. I, I, I'm not in love with the backups. You know, Kato, Tapia, Collins. It's just, It doesn't inspire confidence if someone does get hurt. But, you know, hopefully that the minor league depth can provide by the time that kind of thing is needed. Uh, yeah, there are there are names there as well that, you know, we keep hearing so-and-so is ready for the bigs. Oh, is he? But he's not here yet. I wonder what that means. <clears throat> means someone's getting DFA'd at some point. Uh, any final thought to take us out of yeah. our roster roundup? Yeah, Nate Pearson cannot catch a break. <laughs> he was not on this list yeah. because he has mono. Come on. <laughs> Comebackers, concussions, a, a, a sports hernia that was misdiagnosed as a groin strain for four months. And now he's finally healthy, like healthy, healthy. Every part of his body, except he gets mono. And now he could be out for who knows how long, because mono can apparently, apparently be really bad if you yes. are an adult. And that explains why his velocity went way down last time when I talked about it, because he's got mono. His energy probably went to zero. Oh, um, do I have a final thought? No, I, my, my brain is empty. My mind is cleared of all of the players on the roster. Uh, have fun at the home opener, Josh. I'm sure it will be an event. Thank you. Which is to say that you have been Josh Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wienuski at Coolhead 2010. Uh, this has been episode number 231 of the Artificial Turf Wars podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you.